Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez, here with co-host Aaron Keller. And today, for the very first time, we are joined by Becca Carniello. She is our urban wildlife biologist, a.k.a. bear biologist, because you do spend a lot of time with bears. So, Becca, welcome to Nevada Wild and the agency as a whole. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. We're excited to have you here, and we thought it was good timing because not only are you fairly new, but it's also we're getting a lot of, this is that time of year, bears are going through hyperphagia where they're trying to build up calories and we get a lot of calls. So yes, thought it was a good time um, to bring you in. So let's get started and just talk about, first off, your background with the agency and where you came from, how you got here, <laughs> and how long you've been here at this point. Yeah, um, so I, I'm i from California, but uh, nobody please hold that against me. Same here, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I grew up in Southern California. Um, had no idea really that wildlife biology was, um, you know, a career that you could get into, but I grew up with a family that hunted and fished, and um, I went to school at Humboldt State, or it was called Humboldt State when I was an undergrad, um, and I actually took some classes on human wildlife conflict and mammals management and things like that. And originally I was like, you know what? I don't really, I don't really like the large carnivores. Like there's a lot of big personalities in that world <laughs> and, and everything like that. Um, but I really loved genetics. Um, and so I just actually started volunteering with a grad student that was working on bears um, extracting DNA and um, helping to like analyze that DNA. And that became my undergraduate project. Um, but through that actually is what led me to uh, capturing black bears through that same project. So that was my first job out of undergraduate school. Um, and then I immediately started my master's and my master's was going to be looking at um, you know, genetics and space use using the collars from where we were capturing bears in Northeast California. Um, our collars ended up not working. And so I just kind of, um, you know, switched my project. So actually I, I ended up um, looking at how disturbances can alter behavior of wildlife species and black bears were one of my species. Um, from there, after completing my master's field work, I worked as the bobcat biologist for the Bay Area uh, for the California Department of Fish and Wildlife. And then after that, I was the unit wildlife biologist, which is similar to what we have here with the diversity biologist and the game biologist, but you're split up into counties instead, and you cover all of the wildlife species um, and all of the California Department of Fish and Wildlife properties. And so um, mainly actually what I was doing was human wildlife conflict. So there was a ton of mountain lion and coyote conflict and, and things like that in the Bay Area. Um, so I had experience working with black bears, uh, capturing and collaring them and collecting samples, and then also had a lot of experience with human wildlife conflict. Um, and so when I saw this job come open, 
I knew that, you know, I, I really, really wanted to apply for it and I, I really wanted to be in this position. So I'm happy to be here. Yeah. As you list your background, I'm like, that's exactly what you do now. Like <laughs> yeah. how perfect that worked out. And a lot of, um, human wildlife, what would you call that relationship <laughs> or interaction. interaction? There's the uh, word I yeah. was looking for. <laughs> and then I didn't mention, um, I left out a very important introduction, but <laughs> you actually have special guest here with you, Badger, who mm-hmm. is our brand new Carillion bear dog on the Endow Bear team. He is, yes. Yeah, so Badger, um, Badger is really special. Um, you know, when I got this job, I knew that I would eventually get a Carillion bear dog. Um, I thought that I was going to get one from the same breeder that a lot of our past dogs have come from um and I can't think of the name of the kennel right now but I think it's Viking something but um and there wasn't going to be a puppy ready for another year and so I was ready to hold out for another year for a puppy um but actually the person who had my position previously Heather Reich um a woman reached out to her and said hey I, I just had one of my dogs return to me um, he was living with a family in Kodiak Island, and um, I'm not sure the the total circumstances, but a lot of a lot of KBDs are are returned um, at this age because they're they're very active. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I immediately was like, yes, I'll take him. You know, he he would go on fishing boats and jump off of fishing boats and chase after seals. So we knew he had the prey drive. Um, and since I got him, he's just hit the ground running. He's an amazing bear dog. Um, he, you know, if they're immobilized, he doesn't want to bother them. But if they're up moving around, oh, he wants to chase them and he wants to haze them. And, and that is just such an important component to our bear program here at the Nevada Department of Wildlife. Um, so in addition to Badger, we have two other bear dogs that Carl Lackey, my co-bear biologist, owns. Um, and that'll be Banjo and dazzle so it can get a little confusing with banjo and badger but (laughs) (laughs) i like it i think it works banjo badger oh yeah dazzle and uh, and then um so just for people who don't know could you just give a quick overview of the bear dog program just so they know we don't talk about it that much on the podcast so i don't know if our listeners even know about it (laughs) yeah yeah so our our bear dog program um, they are all Karelian bear dogs. And so this is a, a Finnish Russian breed that was originally bred to hunt brown bears. Um, so grizzly bears and, um, they're just naturally very assertive and fearless, but they're also amazing with people. So not only are these guys great ambassadors, you know, they come with us to schools and, um, you know, they get along really well with people and, and I think it makes us a lot more approachable. You know, people want to come and pet the dogs and, and that's amazing, but they're super sweet with people and cuddly with children and, um, and then they can just really turn it on with the bears. And so the way that they help us with bears, um, you know, when we have a bear that's a little bit comfortable around people, you know, it's entering neighborhoods and, um, getting into trash cans or tearing up fruit trees, which is all, I mean, it's, it, the bears are just drawn into those areas because they're looking for food. Um, but what these guys do is they help us 
give the bears a negative association with humans. So anytime they are getting into these attractants like bird seed or garbage um, or fruit trees, really, it's a positive thing for them. You know, they they associate being in those neighborhoods with this rewarding experience of getting all these calories and this food. Um, and so what the dogs do is help us change that that perception that they have of that positive experience. So these dogs, um, after we capture the bear, we immobilize them um, and we do all of our processing and collecting samples. We release the bear um, and we let these guys go off leash to chase the bear and haze them. We give the bear a little head start, mm -hmm. um, but of course they're very fast. And so usually what happens is that bear is going to tree. Um, and so having the dogs bark at them and chase them or bite them in the butt really just gives them a ne negative experience. Um, and there are a few other agencies that utilize KBDs, um, Alaska and Washington, and there are some groups in Montana that do as well. But um, as far as I know, we are the only agency that utilizes them off leash for those releases. Wow. It really is a great program. And like you said, who doesn't love the bear dogs? Yeah. And then they do serve such a good purpose. Just when a bear comes back into a neighborhood and hears a dog barking, they know this mm -hmm. isn't somewhere I should be. Exactly. So how, um, I just love how, I mean, how long ago did you start with the agency? It was in spring, right? Yeah, it was, I think about six months ago. I love how you started six months ago and then here you are with a you just jumped right in and then got yourself a bear dog <laughs> yeah I think he came uh it might have been like a month and a half after I started yeah which was just that yeah it was it was a lot but it was awesome and I was happy to to take him on yeah that is really awesome how have things been so far um just in your world here at Endow <laughs> um they've been They've been awesome. I I could not be happier uh, to be in this position. I feel like this is this is really where I belong and and what I should be doing. Um, it started off pretty pretty gnarly. You know, we had that uh, that bear in the tree in Reno. Um, <laughs> Your first week, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was pretty much my first week. Um, and it, it kind of is just an on and off thing. Um, so I've done some events with Badger and, um, you know, it's just been slow one week and insanely busy the next, but I think I'm just the type of person that doesn't really feel comfortable unless I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off. So, um, sometimes it, it really feels like that and other times it's, it's a little slower. For some, some people like coming to work and not knowing what they're going to get into that yeah. day. So, and that sounds very much like your job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. You know, it's, um, as the urban wildlife biologist, you'd think I'd deal a lot more with some of the other species that we have, but it's, it's 98% bears and then a sprinkling of mountain lions and deer sometimes when they get their heads caught in tomato cages or, or whatnot. It's Western Nevada biologist, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we'll take it because I do, like we said, it's the perfect time of year for this. We want to get into some of the educational things that people living in the area should know. But we'll take a quick break and get into that. You are listening to Nevada Wild. Long gone to Saskatchewan where the getting's good if you're getting gone. I'm going to put my boots and my hat back on because I'm long gone to Saskatchewan. Long gone. 
If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today we are joined by Becca Carniello, who is our new urban wildlife biologist. You said 98% bear biologist and then some other wildlife sprinkled in. Mm -hmm. And like we said in the first half, perfect time of year to have you here since our bear calls typically uh, pick up and that's because of hyperphagia. So do you want to explain what that is to people who don't know? Yeah. um, So hyperphagia is a period of intense eating, basically. So hyper eating. Um, So those bears, regardless of if they're going to um, hibernate a lot or not, um, they are, you know, trying to get in 20 to 25,000 calories a day. Um, But in addition to those calories, they also need um, an excess amount of water. So I believe it's around two to five gallons extra a day. And that's just to process those calories. So, um, you know, we think a lot about food being an attractant, but, um, you know, water sources can also be an attractant this time of year. So they're attracted to those areas that have basically anywhere. I always say if you're on um, a ditch or really any type of yeah. water source that they could travel to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So those, you know, ravines, the irrigation ditches, um, you know, Truckee River, all of that is an amazing corridor really for for all of our wildlife species, um, but, but bears especially. And right now... Um, the berry production is just insane out on the landscape. And and so are many of the fruit trees that people have in their backyards. Um, so there's, there's lots of food for them out there. I was going to say in any year, I mean, anytime you have a water source, that usually means more food or fruit trees. Yeah. Um, but I was going to ask this year, I bet, I mean, we had so much water that I bet it's a crazy berry year. Yeah. <laughs> And it, what's interesting too is, you know, we, I feel like every year it's something different. Obviously we can't control the environmental variables. So last year we had a, a late freeze and, and that led to um, fruit failure. And so a lot of those bears were, were coming into neighborhoods looking for food. But this year <laughs> we had a ton of water. And so, you know, people's fruit trees, the branches are just breaking off because they're so heavy. Um, so there's tons of food for them in the neighborhoods again with through the fr- through those fruit trees. It's such a funny cycle. It's like there's no food, so they come into neighborhoods to find food, or there's a ton of food in everywhere, including in neighborhoods, so they're going to come into neighborhoods yeah. to find food. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a never-ending cycle. Out, and then there's not water. Yeah. Too much water. <laughs> it's just always something. <laughs> that's why it's always important to be prepared no matter what. Yep. And that's what I was going to ask. So what are, well, number one, what are some of the common, I guess, calls you get that involve situations that could be prevented? Like say a bear keeps coming back to a house. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the things you've noticed has caused this? So, you know, it can be any number of things. Um, It can be that they have fruit trees um, or even that their neighbors have fruit trees um, or that their garbage is unsecured or outside. Um, Sometimes even, you know, uh, 
grain for for livestock if it's unsecured that's something that they'll they'll try to utilize um, bird feeders or even just like compost piles chickens anything really and so they are they are just so adaptable and they just have incredible noses and if they've obtained a food source previously it's something that they'll they'll try to go after again because they have such good memories too yes. on top of a strong sense of smell mm-hmm. or if their mom taught them or you know showed them where to go the same thing so it's basically really if something's scented at all yes <laughs> it could attract a bear yeah exactly <laughs> and that's where you know securing our garbage um with the bear resistant containers um and then also you know removing bird feeders and if, if people still want to see those birds come into their yard they can scatter the seed um you know throughout their lawn because a bear is not going to spend time picking up each individual seed um but if it's all condensed into one feeder they're gonna they're gonna go after that um another really amazing deterrent is electricity so electric fencing um is just it's such a novel experience for a bear to run into electricity. It's not something that they encounter in the wild, you know. And um, here with our dry soil in Nevada, there's a little bit of caveats to that. You know, you have to have um, sort of an energizer, an energizer that has higher higher joule rating. Um, and you know, we're here I am always willing to talk to anybody who wants to know about electricity or you know if they're trying to figure out what might be the best area in their yard for it or um, what might be the best sort of like energizer to buy and and kind of how to set it up and we also have um, loaner systems available for for Nevada residents so we can put out um, electric mats and temporary electric fencing just until someone else is able to get up there their temporary or their permanent solution exactly and um it seems like electric fencing it's enough to um it doesn't hurt them well it hurts enough to give them experience that they don't want to have again and they don't Mm want to return to that area exactly so not only is it helping to secure your home or your fruit trees or or your livestock your chickens um, your backyard goats things like that it is also teaching that bear something as well instead of just hitting like a roadblock it's just a again it's a negative experience just like we have with our bear dogs and so it's it's helping them learn it also seems like electric fencing is becoming more and more important because it there's more attractants that just can't really be secured without it like so many people now have chicken coops mm-hmm. beehives yes gardens like really electric fencing is the only way to secure those things yeah and not only will that be securing all those things from bears it's securing them from deer which like to get in the gardens or mountain lions bobcats coyotes and so you're really kind of covering all of those bases with with one device and that's the thing with a lot of our bear tips they apply to other wildlife too yeah. just a lot of our calls coming in right now are bears but yes those exactly go a long way for a lot of different <laughs> wildlife yes mm-hmm. yeah it's a pretty incredible tool and you said you'll help them set it up temporarily but are there companies people could reach out to to get permanent yes there are um there are companies that they can reach out to to get permanent fencing um and then there are also ways to kind of do it yourself um and so we have some guides 
for that as well available to people. Um, and so they're always welcome to call our our dispatch line and um, that can put them in touch with me or with Carl um, and we can we can assist with that. Great. And then as far as um, another big one you mentioned is securing trash. Mm-hmm. Um, so people could do that by, you said, getting a bear-resistant container. How could they go about doing that? Yeah, so um, bear-resistant containers are available through waste management, both uh, Douglas County and Washoe County. So uh, Carson City all the way up, you know, Washoe County. And then... Um, Additionally, Douglas Disposal now has bear-resistant containers that um, residents can request. The only one I'm unsure about is uh, the town of Minden. I believe that they were getting the bear-resistant containers. I'm not sure, though. Um, but it's possible that they do have them and they c- the residents can request them now. But basically, you just ask waste management. Um, it's a little bit of an increase on your bill. Um, but, you know, it's... It, pales in comparison to some damage that they can they can I'm do. I'm sure you've seen some damage that could have been prevented <laughs> you know, with yeah. a bear resistant container. Absolutely. Um, and again, like, you know, going back to what I said with that positive experience, if a bear gets into garbage, it's such a huge amount of calories for them and we've got all kinds of tasty food that they just don't encounter in the wild and that's a really positive experience for them. So that's gonna that's gonna lead them to coming back. Exactly. It really comes down to giving them negative experiences versus positive experiences. And overall, it's better for everyone that way. They stay yeah. out in the wild and then we keep our neighborhood safe. Yeah. And that's our that's our ultimate goal, right? Is, um, you know, when we're when we're capturing bears in that situation, we, we obviously do um, capture bears for other reasons like research um, and just to to get a handle on you know what our population size is and, and what the health of the population is but when we are capturing bears that are are in neighborhoods our ultimate goal is to give them a really bad time just give them a negative experience with being in that neighborhood and that that allows bears to um, persist on the landscape for everyone's enjoyment really exactly and then so hyperphagia so that starts it's we're in it right and then when should bears start to hibernate um probably in november december obviously depending on on weather um but yeah about that november december time and then so that that's more motivation to secure attractants also because they'll stay out as long as the food's out (laughs) exactly yeah so you know some bears are just not even going to sleep as long as there's there's food around, but they still will be in that mindset um, during that hyperphagia period of trying to get that those excess amount of calories. Very important stuff. And then um, I don't want to throw a curveball at you, but do you have any like fun bear facts you'd want to share with us? Oh, actually, yeah. So like I said earlier, I just love genetics and um, we have great partnership with the California Department of Fish and Wildlife, and they do some of our genetic stuff, but um, we have had cubs, so cubs from the same year, same mom, but they have different dads. Whoa. Which is pretty awesome. So um, they can be siblings of the same year and have different dads. That's super interesting. Yeah. 
And have have you noticed that a lot? Like, is that common or? It's something that they've caught a couple of times, um, and they've they've let us know about it um, just from some of the genetic samples that we've submitted. And it's something that you know we see in other populations as well. But it's just something that's really interesting to me. That is really interesting. You took that question like a champion. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> actually, yes, I do have something I want to share. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anything else we're on our last couple minutes here so anything else you'd want to tell people before we wrap up gosh I'm trying to think of if there's anything else um if not you're good I just wanted to make sure we got all of our oh tips. yeah oh yeah yes <laughs> Badger's laying here asleep right now oh, yeah he's um, being good Probably he's getting all his energy back. Yeah. <laughs> to go chase bears. Oh yeah. That's his his favorite job for sure. But yeah, I can't think of anything else. I think we I think we covered quite a bit. Of course. Well, thank you so much for coming in and providing that important information. And we also have a ton of resources. If you head to endow.org and search Living with Bears, you'll find a lot of the resources Becca talked about. Um but thanks again, Becca, and welcome to thank Endow you. and Badger, welcome to end now. He's <laughs> passed out not listening to me. And thank you everyone for listening. That does it for this week's Nevada Wild. Join us again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife. <laughs>